Thanks for listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara, or normally with Fred and Kara, but today it's just going to be me, and I have a very wonderful guest with me today. Um, I'm sure a lot of people actually have heard of her. Um, She's a speaker, musician with uh, her husband oftentimes, and a wife and a mother, so we're continuing this um, series on motherhood and family life. So I'd like to welcome Noelle Garcia to our episode today. Thanks for joining, Noelle. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah. Um, so Noelle and I actually met um, probably like five years ago, was it? It was a while ago. Yeah. 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 We had Noelle come to um, a youth conference that we were running um, and she was so wonderful. It was our youth conference and she was one of our keynotes. And so we were very lucky to have her. Um, But I will say like after we met, I started following you on Facebook. And one of my favorite things is like whenever you post random stories about your kids or like conversations (laughs) that they have with you or each other, it's the funniest thing. (laughs) They are hilarious. Half the stuff though, I can't post on Facebook. Like it's not, it's not uh, Facebook appropriate. Um, It was funny because we had met somebody who was like, we would love to do a Catholic uh, reality family TV show on your kids. They're so funny. And I was like, no, thank you. That would be a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you don't know half of it. (laughs) I don't want to be the Catholic Kardashians or something like that. No, thank you. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. I know. I feel like some of the things like half the time, just BJ and I find it funny. BJ's my husband. Um, Like the other day we were in the car and Clara goes, mom, I wish we had basketball at home. And I was like, yeah, maybe we should get a hoop. And she goes, yeah, and some hoop to balls. I'm like, you mean basketball? (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was so funny. That's awesome. Uh, But I mean, I don't know if anybody else ever finds those things funny, but I love when you post it. What made you want to do that? I feel like it's almost like people can go back it's like modern day reviewing of saint diaries like you can go back and look at like, oh, this is what was going on in their life this is all cause for why we will not be saints they'll be like oh i saw what she put on facebook you know <laughs> um but actually so i just i've always loved quoting people and the interesting things that they say and their conversations i i've just i've done that ever since i was in high school probably so then yeah. when my kids would say cute or funny things i would just um, write them down and so then I started to share them on Facebook and people seemed to like them and then David was turning them into cartoons for a little while there but he is That's a cool. uh, it's you can see them on Instagram if you look for fingers under the door uh, that was the name of our little comic strip <laughs> and then That's he, awesome. uh, <laughs> he just kind of got busy and stopped doing it but I have a whole database of quotes for him to turn into cartoons so he should be relaunching soon I feel like I relate so much to that fingers under the door. That's like when moms go to the bathroom and they're like, do you see my hand? And they're just like sticking their fingers. It's either the name of a horror movie or it is the description of motherhood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so your husband's name is David. Would you share a little bit about like how you guys met and kind of your your relationship? 
Sure. So David and I actually met on a Catholic dating website, and he always jokes nice. with people and tells them it's called CatholicChicks.com. So he'll be like, <laughs> I met my wife on CatholicChicks.com. And we were sharing that story with a group of uh, eighth graders one time, and all the boys come up and they're like, there's no such thing as CatholicChicks.com. And I'm like, David, you Like better. they looked it up on their phone? Yeah, yeah, they looked <laughs> it up on their phone. <laughs> they're, they're, I thought it was so cute, all these eighth grade boys looking for a Catholic chick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so we met online. I was living in Michigan. He was living in Massachusetts. And I had just gotten, not just gotten out of a relationship, but I, I had ended a relationship with somebody that I thought I would marry just because we had been together for so long. And yep. but just things weren't really adding up. And I, I felt the Lord tell me, you know, you can stay in this relationship and I'll be with you or you can let go and trust me. So I mm. said, okay, I let go. I focused on strengthening my prayer life and um, then felt called to sign up for this website. It was Ave Maria Singles at the time. I don't know if it is still around or not, to be honest. But um, And then my husband, David, he reached out to me and his email was, uh, I see by your profile that you can't cook. So if it works out between us, we'll probably starve. And that's all he said. <laughs> And I was like, what a weirdo. What a super weirdo. You know, <laughs> like, but when I Did looked at respond? his profile. Yeah. Well, okay. So I waited three days because I thought, you know, yeah, this is, this guy is super weird. Um, and, uh, but we had so much in common based on his profile. You know, he's really into music and youth ministry. And um, yeah. so I just kept being drawn back to his profile and I thought, all right, I'll I'll bite, you know, and and then it was just back and forth right away. Phone calls a week later, and uh, visits a couple months after that. Then he moved yeah. to Michigan to be closer to me, and we were engaged about a year after that, and engaged or married six months after that. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. And you guys have five kids. We have six kids. Six kids. And um, we were we've been married for about. A little over 13 years. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Um, I feel like we kind of have a similar story of, like you said, you know, we are considering getting married to your former boyfriend or your previous boyfriend. And like, that was kind of a similar situation where like I was with someone for five years. And so it was like, oh, you know, considering marriage for the sake of like, we've been together for so long. So I know we have some listeners who are in their single, you know, young adult life. What's something that you think is important to look for in a, a life partner, in a spouse? Because I think that is such a hard thing. Like either you've been single for so long, so you start dating someone and you're like all in mm -hmm. only because you've been single for so long or you've been dating that person so long. And so you're like, well, we're going to get married. Yeah, so I I had a very bad understanding of love as a decision. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it was like, well, love is not a feeling, and love is a decision. And I so I remember telling somebody, I don't understand. I am giving a hundred percent in this relationship. I'm deciding to love this person, but I'm so unhappy. And and then it dawned on me, love was the decision that I was making, but that he wasn't really fully making. This other guy, you know. Yeah. And so for me, it's like I love as a decision has to be in marriage complete, completely mutual. And so if the person you're dating is not 100 percent and you're giving 100 percent and even 110 percent, you know, then um, that's not good. That's not a good start to um, a marriage because it is it does have to be 
everybody's all in and all into the journey, not necessarily even like, because there are days where David and I are not 100% into each other, you know, <laughs> like they never yeah. told you in marriage prep that sometimes you don't like each other, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all in 100% to to the relationship and the vocation. Um, and if somebody's kind of, you know, not super into that, then uh, I would say they're not, they're not going to be willing to sacrifice. They're not going to be willing to give when it's hard. And so mm -hmm. the thing that I, that I appreciated most about David is he took initiative and he was all in too. You know, yeah. it wasn't just me. It wasn't just one-sided. I like that you say, like, they don't tell you that you might not like your spouse some days. <laughs> Oh, in one of our episodes, um, I think it was actually the, the other one on, on wives and motherhood. We were talking and, you know, the other guest, Fred's wife, Crystal, she was like, you know, hmm, what's hard about marriage? And I started laughing and I was like, everything's hard about marriage. And BJ <laughs> called me. He was on, on the road and he's like, I was listening to your episode. He's like, what do you mean everything's hard in marriage? <laughs> and so I like started telling him, like, of course, everything's hard in marriage. So I don't know, like what. What do you think is like good advice for people in that? Like you, you don't go in with just like rose colored glasses to relationships, but like how to get over those humps of like the difficult moments or the moments where you like are fighting or you might not be just madly in love, you know? Yeah. So the, the catechism actually has the most beautiful line and it says, um, marriage is the vocation in which you learn to love more perfectly. Mm. And I feel like, yeah, you see each other at your best and at your worst um, but what a treasure it is to love each other anyway, you know, and to yeah. work at that love, to really work at like, wow, you know, because when we were first dating, we never fought. And I don't mean mm -hmm. like, you know, well, we, we just were passive aggressive. <laughs> I just, I mean, yeah. we never fought. And I remember thinking, this is so great. We're, we're never going to fight when we're married. Um, but then a few years into it, we're sitting on the front porch and we're talking about divorce, you know, because right. yeah. all the challenges we had job losses, you had kids in the mix, you had, you know, David has ADHD, I was dealing with some family issues that needed healing and just all these different things that just kind of start to come up and show their ugly faces when you're going through challenges and handling conflict and um, disagreeing on how you parent, all of these different things right. that come up. But then, okay, if we are in this, you know, and, and we actually said to each other, well, divorce is off the table. So now what, you know? Yeah. Um, so then he, he went to counseling, I went to counseling. And, and I think that that's, that's the, the biggest thing is this is the vocation in which you learn to love more perfectly. And that is hard, you know, refining anything to make it perfect. Um, uh, is hard and it's a journey and it's work and it hurts, you know, yeah. it stretches you. But what an amazing thing to to then look back on some of those challenges and be like, you know, that was really hard. And we we chose to love each other through that. Mm hmm. What an image of Christ, too. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, what marriage is meant to be like this image of heaven and the love that we're called to. And I feel like, you know, God loves us unconditionally and we're so, um, like we are so counter to that. We can't like, it's hard for us to love unconditionally. We put conditions on it. Right. Um, so I feel like that's such a, a beautiful example of like, we're called to love exactly what you said in the catechism. We're called to love more perfectly. So we can't ever love perfectly because we're not in heaven, but we're going to grow 
And as we kind of encounter more of that love of Christ, I, I will say, I think one of the like closest feelings I have come to unconditional love is the love of a parent. Yes. Like your kids constantly are just like sometimes <laughs> irritating, sometimes defiant, but yeah. you're always going to choose to love them no matter what. Right. Right. Because they belong to you, you know, and I think we forget in marriage now, you know, you belong to each other. You know, it's easier to see that when you are a parent because you, you, you know, gave birth to this child or you welcomed this child into your home and, and, and took on that role of caregiver. But we forget a lot of the times because we're equally yoked with our spouses in terms of probably our ability to argue with each other and like, you know, but that we belong to each other is so closely that we are, we are one. And, um, Mm -hmm. that, uh, yeah, that unconditional love is, I think a little bit more of a challenge for, for us in parenthood than, or I mean, in uh, marriage sometimes than parenthood, but it's the same idea. Yeah. What would you say is um, the hardest thing about motherhood and the greatest thing about motherhood? Uh, The hardest thing for motherhood for me is to trust the Lord with my children, (laughs) especially when they're sick or um, when they're, you know, maybe, I don't know, uh, asking questions about things that are like not of the church or whatever and just hoping that God's going to see them through uh, and keep them close. Like I, I, it would break my heart if they leave the church, you know, Um, it would break my heart if they get sick with a chronic illness, all of those different things that you, you know, that these children are a gift and surrendering them back for me is the hardest. Like it's easier for me to trust the Lord with myself than it is for me to trust yes. him 100% with my children um, yeah. who are his children. And he's got a plan for them, I know. Um, so that's the hardest thing. And then I think the best thing is um, the little, just the little random surprises where they just impress you with you know, I, I'm taking in everything you're trying to teach me and I'm practicing it now. For example, mm-hmm. today I was really sad about uh, my mom having complications with a surgery. And my daughter said, Mom, don't worry about anything. I'm going to mop the floors. I'm going to pick up the dishes. Aww. You just don't worry about anything. And she's 11. And I'm like, oh, thank yeah. you, Jesus. Because usually it's mom is so mean and she's making us clean and she thinks we're her slaves and all this stuff, you know? (laughs) And so then you think, oh, I'm a failure as a mom. Um, So it's when they surprise you with the good little virtuous people that, that are, are there just deep down, you know, that's my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, The other day, I, I think all moms can probably relate to those days where you're just like, I'm a terrible mom. I have been yelling at my kids all day. Like I'm really impatient. That's probably my biggest like struggle with motherhood is I feel like I'm very terrible at the virtue of patience. Just (sighs) awful. And the other day um, it was one where like they weren't listening very well. I felt like I was yelling all the time. And like I just went to my room and was like, I need just 10 minutes of quiet. And Clara comes in and she like wants to snuggle and so I was like apologizing to her I was like I'm really sorry if today was hard sometimes she's super outgoing so I was like sometimes when you like to like talk and play and be around people mom's the opposite like I just need some quiet and then I get grouchy and she goes mom 
I think you need to go to confession. <laughs> she goes, uh, confession. She's like, I think you need to go to confession. I was like, I think you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I swore I would never be a yelling mom, but they don't listen, you know? When they so, don't listen. <laughs> they just don't listen. It must be because they can't hear me. Um, yeah. <laughs> what just the, raise my voice a little. <laughs> know, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, but that's what you just said is the perfect thing is apologizing when we screw up because um then they know they can apologize when they screw up that we're not perfect but that we're we are trying you know that's um the that's an important just just in general to say yeah today was a rough day i'm sorry that i Mm -hmm. did these things um like for example what we were praying with our younger kids and we have a thing with the younger ones where we'll say, you know, just say something that you're thankful for, something you want to pray for, and something you're sorry for. And my seven-year-old said, I'm sorry that I interrupted mom when she was making the grilled cheese sandwiches this afternoon. And what had happened was I was in a hurry. I was rushing around. I snapped at him. And the fact that mm-hmm. he was carrying that all day really made me sad, Aww. you know? Like, yeah. I said, buddy, that was not your fault. That was my fault. You were asking me a simple question. I could have answered it and not made a big deal about it. So it, that was not on you. That's mommy's. That, that's what mommy is sorry for. So, Aww. yeah, it was a, a moment yeah. of reconciliation as a parent and, uh, and humility for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like their little hearts are just like, they just always want to be around you. I kind of had that moment. My son is two and a half now. And I kind of had that moment when he was first born. Like, you're kind of going through those postpartum emotions. You're trying to figure out nursing. And like, all of the noises or like people hanging on you. I'm going through it right now with my third. It's just like, can you go away? Can you just go away? <laughs> yeah. And I I feel like when I was, I was doing that with my son and I only had Clara and like she was coming in and she was like trying to climb on me in the rocker and like wanted to be around me and I I got frustrated and I I was like go to your dad and then later after she was asleep it was kind of like that moment you know when you said like he was just coming to ask you a simple question it was like that it's like she just wanted to be around someone she knew loved her and someone she trusted and in that moment I was like pushing her away as the adult who should know better and it was really a moment like you said it's a moment of humility as a mother where you're just like Man, they just love me too much. They love me so well. <laughs> just could everybody stop touching me? <laughs> yeah, but minute. that's still true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. yeah, that's definitely still true. So yeah. we're kind of talking a little bit about like, okay, moments where we definitely give in to like mom guilt. Um, I feel like this is a very normal thing um, for women, especially, and I'm sure guys struggle with this too in fatherhood or in marriage. But what's the advice that you would give to? Um, anybody who kind of just has moments of guilt in their life, um, especially in family life. Yeah, I have two prayers that I pray regularly in this area because if I let the mom guilt eat at me, which a lot of times it it starts to really attack me when I'm traveling for a ministry event where all of a sudden every single thing that I have ever failed at as a mom just comes just attacking me. And I know it's spiritual. A lot of it is spiritual because it's trying to bring me down and like, the work you're doing is not important. And, you know, even though God has called you to do this, you're a bad person. You know, like those are the types of attacks because you're not there with your kids. Um, 
Right. And um, and that's something that, especially I think moms who have different projects or work or whatever, uh, you feel guilty to take this thing on because it, it is time that you could be spending with your kids, right? Yeah. So what I, there's two things that I, two prayers that I pray. One is if I've lost my patience, I pray, um, and these are Father Robert Spitzer prayers. They're not something that I came up with on my own, but um, they're in his book, uh, the light shines on through the darkness. And one is, Lord, please mitigate any damage that I've done with what I said or what I did or failed to do. Um, so sometimes, you know, if I if I snapped at my daughter or was sarcastic with her or something, you know, I'll just pray, Lord, please mitigate any damage that I've done to our relationship by my loss of temper or impatience. Um, and then the second thing is, uh, I'll say, um, in the name of Jesus, I forgive myself because Mm -hmm. that's the thing. Like the Lord doesn't oppress us with thoughts of negativity and thoughts of guilt and shame. The Lord, uh, admonishes us in a way that helps us to be better and desire good, desire to love more and desire mercy. And so, um, when, when those dark thoughts come creeping in, Father Robert Spitzer calls it like the eros of darkness when we just replay these things in our head. The Lord wants us to be free from that. So in the name of mm-hmm. Jesus, I forgive myself from this and then let it go. Move on. Yeah. Because those thoughts are keeping us from um, prayer. They're keeping us from uh, new relationship and being made new. So just in the name of Jesus, I forgive myself for this. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my child for whatever and let yeah. it go. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I, I just, those are my two, those are my two go-to prayers that I pray all the time. That's really beautiful. I feel like that's the hardest thing. It's super easy for us to like give advice to somebody else or even, even like if somebody else is struggling with something, you know, it's very easy for us to come and be like, no, you're doing your best and like give them praise and help them through it. But like we do the opposite for ourselves and like put Mm -hmm. ourselves down. Yeah. That's really, somebody said to me don't show less mercy for yourself than you would show for somebody else. You know, like if we live in that guilt, we're not living in freedom. And Mm -hmm. so even if we have screwed up, like the Lord knew that we were going to screw up our kids, that he gave them to us anyway. So we're the perfect (laughs) parents to parent these particular people in this moment in history. And what a beautiful uh, thought that is. But then also what great surrender that requires of us and and humility to not be like the future of my child completely and 100 percent depends upon my success as a parent. Yep. yep. (laughs) Like that's an arrogance, really, you know. Absolutely. Um, And like a a lack of, you know, giving up control. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the same can kind of be said and not necessarily mom guilt, but almost like, um, personal guilt uh especially postpartum I will say this is one of the hardest I think stages in childhood um in our other episode with Crystal like we talked about how newborn babies can sometimes be easy like you feed them you put them down you snuggle them but I think mentally for the mom they can be some of the hardest times and I know like you know the I would never ever place like pressure on another mom to 
you know, bounce back or like just be back to normal or whatever. And yet I do that to myself, you know, like I look in the mirror and I'm like mean to myself and telling myself all these things. And I just felt, especially with this last one, um, I just felt like God was like, why can't you see yourself the way that I see you? And I think that's really like the challenge with mom guilt, with whatever, you know, somebody's going through. It's like, no, God sees you in a particular way. And there's such beauty in that. So like allowing ourselves to really see ourselves through the light of like he who loves us, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have to, I didn't know that I struggled with um, postpartum depression and anxiety until probably I had gotten down to my fourth kid. And then that's when I realized, you know, maybe these things aren't normal. Maybe I don't have to live with this Mm -hmm. type, you know, all the time. And so I, I, after each baby, I've gotten more proactive about that. Um, and, uh, working with my doctor on treatments, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's hard too because you're sleep deprived. Nobody can fix that. You know, your doctor can't be like, Oh, here's a prescription for, uh, you know, to cure sleep deprivation. Like, no, you can't. (laughs) And so, yeah, you're tired and that contributes and, um, not taking rest and then running, 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 um, you know, expecting to have your house cleaned and, and that does cause me a messy house and cluttered house causes me a lot of anxiety just because I feel yeah. like when the more clutter that I see, the more I just feel overwhelmed. You know, it's just a, it's That's not, I have too. this, yeah, I, I don't expect to have a Joanna Gaines beautiful house, but I expect right. like, let's pitch in and um, let's, let's help mom and, and do these types of things that that's and that's okay too like it's not an either or it's not a well if you want a clean house you're just trying to bounce back too quick it's um you need a clean house to help with your sanity then let's see what do we have to do to help mom get yeah her sanity you know (laughs) and if dad has to if dad has to take a day off and help mom you know yeah (laughs) that's what we got to do yeah, that's definitely the case for me too. I'm like, okay, if there's too much clutter, my brain feels cluttered and then my emotions feel cluttered. Like I just need to relax yeah. a little in a, in a clean house. <laughs> yeah, well, and even like, you know, the physical changes that your body takes. I, I remember contemplating suicide as a teenager thinking, mm-hmm. well, I'm so overweight and stuff. And, you know, then I lost some weight, but then every baby that I have, I gain like 60 to 70 pounds. And so... Yep. It's like, wow, you know, if I don't get a hold over my self-worth and my value, um, regardless of all these body changes, um, then, you know, I'm going to be in rough shape all around. Yeah. So I do I do try to, um, to work out and to eat healthy just because I feel better when I do. But my one of my ultimate uh, motivation, motivational prayers is just... Um, this is my body given for you. I just pray that this is my body given for you. Like if it weren't for this body, if it weren't for the extra pounds that I have and that weren't for, you know, the, my fatigue and exhaustion, you, you wouldn't exist. Like, right. um, you are to the a child to your children. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, that, yep. just looking at them, like this is my body given for you. It's the sacrifice of your body. Your whole body, um, has br- yeah. changed the world forever. Because your mm-hmm. child is here and would not have been here without that sacrifice. Yeah, that's awesome. That kind of goes to one of the questions I had too, which was like, what is something within your 
um, your journey as a mother that you're most proud of? Because um, that's the that's one of them that like I am is childbirth. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that like I feel like is so hard during and after where it's just like I can't believe I did that, you know. <laughs> and it was for somebody and for somebody to come into this world. Yeah. Ooh, something that I'm most proud of. So I. Yeah. Hmm, that's a hard one because it's I've had to unpack a lot of just um I don't know destructive things that I thought about motherhood because I'm domestically challenged I'm not a good cook I don't I'm know how either. to sew or throw themed birthday parties and I deleted Pinterest nope. because it caused me panic attacks like you know <laughs> right <laughs> so no, I hear all those things then I also work and a lot of uh, you know catholic and christian devotionals on motherhood really involve around the mother being not working and um mm-hmm. and so and I've wrestled with that and I'm feeling now in the season of my life that the lord is asking me to be home more um I'm I'm really praying that uh the lord allows me to be home with my kids that our family circumstances will but that's the first time in my life that I've really 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 known that's what god is is asking me to to pray for um yeah so yeah i think for me the thing that i'm most proud of is i do i do try very very hard to build quality time into our week with the kids Mm -hmm. um and with my husband i really am intentional about not letting the week go by without doing something that's quality memory building whether it's a board game or whether it's a trip to the pumpkin patch, you know, it's something that I'm, I'm very intentional about. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, on the days where you're just like, all right, I got to get stuff done. Like go sit in front of the TV. (laughs) Those are really hard for me. I'm like, Oh man, we just had a week of just watching TV or watching bluey or whatever. So yeah, I feel like those moments, even if it's just like, mom, can we go to the park? And I'm like, yes, put your shoes on. Let's go to the park. Then it's like, that was good. That was good. Like, let them lead, but actually, like, say yes to going out with them, you know, and making those memories. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be just like, yeah, I, on our way back from, where you know, church, we got an ice cream cone in the car. You know, I mean, yeah. just something that's like, that's um, unintentional, um, something relating to uh, when, like, I, I just want my kids to, to grow up and think, yeah, I remember when mom used to get us that ice cream home in that certain place or when we used to play yeah. cards with mom, you know, something yeah. like that, where it, that's the thing that I, I like it's a good memory for them. Yeah, because they're not going to remember my cooking and my meal. They're going to try to forget that, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they're hopefully not going to remember the times that I was like, well, we have to celebrate another birthday this month, you know, like, right. <laughs> I know. The beginning of the year is like January through April. We have like six or seven things that we're supposed to celebrate. I'm like, not another cake. I can't. I, can't. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, and the, the themes. Uh, I mean, some moms just knock it out of the park with the themes. Good and for them. Yeah. It's amazing. And I'm so jealous. Yeah. But um, yeah. I, that like is you just get one birthday forte. party every like five years. Yeah, that's what we have. We have a schedule. There are certain birthdays where they do certain things. So because, yeah, yeah, that gets expensive. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Um, Okay, so with talking about childhood and kind of like our our goals as mothers, 
um, to really influence our kids. What was something that was like the greatest influence for you in your childhood? And like, how has that kind of impacted or influenced, you know, your goals as a mother? Oh man, something influenced in my childhood. You know, I, I struggled a lot, uh, in our family life, uh, Mm -hmm. in general, there was a lot of, just a lot of things that were really hard about, uh, our childhood, uh, from my mom's mental illness to her chronic illnesses to, um, just, just a lot of challenges. So I, but I will say, I really think that my siblings and I bonded when we were growing up, we were, we were very close. Now different siblings have different issues with each other, but we were very close all through high school. And, um, that's something that I, I try to foster with my kids is that sibling closeness because, you know, there, there's five boys and one girl. And so, you know, sometimes my daughter gets left out of the things that all the boys want to do or, Sometimes the old, you know, the oldest two get all the attention because they can go and do things that the younger ones are too young to do. Or then the younger ones get attention because they're cute, you know, <laughs> like, right, and then the middle right. ones get left out and they're also cute, but, you know, in a different way. And so um, we try to, uh, like, take a couple kids out with us if we're just running to the store, you know, and mm-hmm. and try to foster some of that sibling closeness because that's something that I really valued growing up and I'm I would say I'm still close with all of my siblings but just there's different ones that are that are closer or not closer than others yeah how many siblings do you have so I'm the oldest of six five girls one boy yeah yeah I feel like that's a benefit too of of like big families we I come from one of five and it's the same thing just like all of the siblings very close um, yeah, that's very beautiful and a, a wonderful thing to foster in your own home. Yeah, I want them to be yeah. there for each other, you know, and my husband's not particularly close to his only sibling. And so he misses that, too. You know, he wants our kids to be close. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So how um, how do you feel like you and David are similar in your parenting and how do you feel like you're different? And like, how can couples kind of overcome those differences? Wow, that is, yeah, a very loaded question. <laughs> if he was yes. here, he would be like, oh, she's me. No, I, David is <laughs> David is stricter about things, actually, than I am. I'm more of a pushover. Um, all the kids have to do is guilt me, and I <laughs> I just give in, basically. Yeah. Um, so it's it's hard for me, or I'll be like, David, don't don't be so firm with with them, you yeah. know? And yeah. uh so we just we try to support each other it there's times where we fail Rob where one of us will be like well you're kind of overreacting a little bit we try not to say those things in front of the kids you know we really try to have each other's back so that they know they can't work us against each other but even if we disagree if we disagree with how the other person is handling a situation we'll say you know can I talk to you because we need to talk about this, how, how you're handling this. And, um, and that can, that can result in a big argument. You know, I'm not saying we, we figured out everything where it's like, um, I mean, even just the other day, it was one of my kids was being really disrespectful to my husband and 
my husband was kind of being sarcastic back and then that kid was digging his heels in further you know and and Mm -hmm. I was like Mm -hmm. and then my husband is being sarcastic back and then I'm getting involved and I'm like you don't need to be sarcastic and then I said it in front of the kid and so then we ended up having a big argument so it's it's just really really trying um and and this is all this is you know we're just about to have a teenager so we are we have a long way to go in terms of being able to say like yeah parenthood we mastered it you know (laughs) (laughs) and each child different things work with different children so I think it's yeah it's never going to be a hundred percent but um really trying to support each other like listen to your mom don't disrespect your dad those kinds of things um and then if one person is angry and emotional about the situation, sometimes it's better for the other person to then relieve that person. Like, yep. you can take a step away and let me, let me handle this situation, you know. Yes. And then that also helps diffuse the kid because if, if my kid is really mad at me, then they can express that anger more safely to their father because they're not mad at him, you know, and they yes. can kind of talk it out a little bit better I relate to that one a lot especially if you've been home all day with the child and like you're already overwhelmed it's like I need you to go handle this yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that's good um so I know I had asked you before we started if you were okay talking about this because I didn't want to put you in a different situation but so you guys have six kids that you've been blessed with and then you also have little intercessors in heaven Mm-hmm. Um, for you in your family mm-hmm. that you have lost to miscarriage and I think that that is something that a lot of people don't talk about but so many people have experienced that within their marriage um, so I guess I'm curious like how did that affect you and David in your family life and I guess what advice would you give to um, other people who have experienced this in their marriage Yeah, so we had never had a miscarriage before. We had had our Mm -hmm. six kids, no issues. We found out we were pregnant. Um, And then I was about to go on stage to play music for uh, adoration. And that's when I started experiencing symptoms of miscarriage. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, David was like, you know, do you want to go home? I said, well, what am I going to do at home? Let's just stay here and pray. And so I... uh, I remember looking at the Eucharist and I just said, Lord, everything that I have is yours. And I instantly heard the words back, everything I have is yours. And Mm -hmm. so it was this weird, you know, transcendental supernatural feeling that like I've got one foot in heaven and one foot on earth now. And that even though there's a physical separation there, there's still a spiritual closeness. And that's been very powerful for me. Also, you know, even in the grief, because we're coming up on the one year anniversary and it was a long, it was a long fight for this little one. It was two months before yeah. it was an official miscarriage. Um, so, uh, you know, I was, there's different things that trigger the grief. Like I was in Hobby Lobby and I felt overcome by sadness and thinking, why am I so sad? This is crazy. And then I remembered it's because the last time that I had been in a Hobby Lobby with all the holiday stuff set up was when we were going through the miscarriage and I was looking for something to commemorate, you know, our loss. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing because you, your body as a woman remembers her children. Just, yeah. just does. You hear that from people who grieve their abortion or their miscarriage or, you know, any child loss. Your body remembers your child. Um and so 
the thing that I've clung to the most will be the readings of the day. Every single day I was going through this process, I would be like, Lord, you know, I need you to speak to me. And there would be something in the reading that just jumped out at me that was a word from the Lord to me. You know, we always say like, oh, I can't hear the voice of God and that we never read scripture. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> like there is always something. And in fact, when I had to go in for the DNC um, to make sure that everything had, had passed, um, the first line of the first reading that day was rejoice you who are not in labor. Our God is a God of compassion and he t- is taking care of you. Um, that was in that goosebumps. passage. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, we don't, well, I don't know why this happened and the kids struggled with it, especially Lucia, because she's been praying for a sister and she's the only girl. Mm-hmm. She had a really yeah. hard time with it at first, but, um, my husband took the kids to church to pray for me and for the babies. And Lucia said to him, dad, Jesus told me he's holding the baby. This is before we found out that there was no heartbeat. You know, Jesus told us that he's holding the baby. And I think kids, um, while they can handle it very difficult and their level of understanding is very limited, I think they're also more, uh, more trusting sometimes that mm-hmm. yeah god is, god has our babies and they're in heaven and one day we're going to see them and there's going to be a welcome party you know and just yeah. um also giving them giving them physical things like um we have a little statue and a little ornament and then one of my friends drew a picture of mary holding two babies having these physical reminders of our two physical family members who are not here with us um, yeah uh, to remember them is very helpful that's so beautiful I started tearing up uh, at what your daughter said I think that's beautiful um, mm-hmm. what advice would you give to other people who have gone through something similar uh, in their families um, I think that the best the best thing to do is just is not to look necessarily for why, because I think that will drive us crazy. Is like yes. why? Why am I going th- through this? Why is um, this happening? Is instead to say, like God, what are you showing me? What are you showing me today? I need to see you today. I need to hear your word today. Um, that consolation, I think, helps when sometimes there isn't a why you know, that we'll know in this lifetime. So if you're going through something hard, whatever it is, it's just, God, I need you to show me uh, that you're with me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I need to hear your voice. I need to hear a word. What are you doing here? You know? Yeah, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's, I don't know, it's not something that I think is often talked about or shared until you see, you know, something come up on Facebook that's like miscarriage awareness. And you're like, I didn't know that you had struggled with that. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that like as a, a community, as a church, and just as a society, like we should just lift each other up in that. And so I'm I'm very grateful that you were willing to share that with everybody. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I am. Um, I really also think that when it when it comes to it being a family event, you know, and marriage, uh, yeah, I think it really is important to take time to pray together with each other for uh that circumstance instead of just well i know he's praying and i'm praying 
but to come together and pray as a family, you know, let's pray with mom, let's support mom. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't have done, I couldn't have gone through all of this without my husband just standing there and just praying for me. Um, and with me when I didn't have the words to pray. Yeah. And bringing your, your other babes into that situation so that they know that, you know, they have somebody who they can pray to, too. In right. Heaven. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay. So if anyone would like to hear more from you, Noel, um, or from David or learn more about your ministry, where might they find you? Um, so we're, my husband and I are starting a podcast, uh, and it's called Somehow I Marriage. It's based nice. on The Office. Um, Michael Scott. We love The Office. Like I love Michael. The okay, good. <laughs> so you, the somehow I manage book. Yes, yes. I'm so yeah. glad you get it. Some people are like, "That's a weird name for a podcast about marriage." <laughs> and I was somehow like, "It's I actually marriage. perfectly fitting." Like we don't know how we do it. Somehow, yeah. somehow we married. Somebody thought it was sometimes we marriage, which I think is heretical. Um, <laughs> I said no. Somehow, is one of the episodes going to be uh, always carry gum, a stick of gum? Yes, yes. <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the chapters. Yep, yep. Um, no, the, our first episode will be called um, uh, "I I acquired my wife for one hundred sixty eight dollars on nice. on, on CatholicChicks.com. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, so we're starting that, and that will be available wherever uh, you get your podcasts soon. But we're just launching it, so I. It might take, I don't know when this is going to air, but it might be a minute. Um, okay. And then uh, also Noel Garcia Music. I'm on Instagram. And then it's uh, mqministries.net is our website for speaking in music. Awesome. And we'll link those in the show notes for you guys too. Cool. Um, Thanks. Yeah. So I am very, very grateful that you were willing to come on here. I think you have just a lot of wisdom. You said 13 years of marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 13 yeah. years. Yeah. So I'm very grateful. Um, BJ and I are only at five, so we got a, a little ways to go. And I think it's always beneficial to kind of just hear other people's experience and learn from your wisdom. So I'm, I very much appreciate you coming on to draw near today. So thank yeah, you for thank you guest. for having me. I appreciate it. Be sure to sign up for our upcoming book study at sushipe.co. Learn more at drawnear.me.